This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of our Let's Talk Arsenal series. I'm very happy today to be joined for the first time by Bavs. How do you, mate? You good? You well? Thank you very much, man. Uh, appreciate the invite and looking forward to the video. Indeed, yes. It's uh, it's been a long time coming. Um, indeed, and I mean, massive congratulations on on hitting a hundred thousand subscribers. I mean, oh, I'm trying. You. I was trying to wrap my brains around. Arsenal content creators, of course, AFTV and troops, etc., and and, uh, and and Hugh Wizzy, of course. But you must be what, within the top five Arsenal content creators to 100k. You might have done more research than me on this, but uh... I really haven't. I haven't. I haven't looked at it that way. Um, I think I'm the fifth. I don't know. Yeah, I think it must be something like top five to do it. But a massive congratulations, mate, on nice, on man. on getting there. Because I mean, what you started the channel for was it fourish? When you really got it, into things on YouTube? Yeah, I mean, I posted back in 2016, but as I started yeah. properly 2019, 18ish. Mm. Yeah, so three four years ago, and it's 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 grown ridiculously um, yeah. in that time. And I have to say, you know, the quality of the videos that you put out. You know, I can only dream of having the editing and graphic skills that you oh, that you, you do to put the videos out. But uh, in terms of kind of a process of of how they go down, you know, obviously we do a daily news show on, on here, but it's very much mm-hmm. me just talking to the camera for half an hour. You're yeah. putting out these videos of, of high quality and graphics and stuff. How long are we talking to put these kind of videos together for yourself? It ranges. It could take sometimes two hours to four hours, maybe. Mm. Uh, but it's it's around that normally. I think it's the three hour mark is probably the the, the sweet spot. Indeed, yeah, it's it's a lot of commitment and work that goes into it, and it, and it shows. So, yeah, brilliant stuff, mate. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting into this conversation with yourself about a lot of topics. Before we do, though, um, for those that uh, are not aware uh, right now, unfortunately, there is some sad news to kick off the show. Uh, well-known Arsenal supporter uh, Maria Petri has sadly passed away, to our understanding. Uh, there's been an amazing kind of response on social media from Arsenal players, current and past, uh, to a fan in Maria who was in terms of the ultimate fan she really did encompass that Babs I mean you I'm sure you're aware of Maria and, and some of her stuff but, but amazing commitment to to a lifetime of being an Arsenal supporter 
Yeah, no, iconic voice. You go if you go to any Arsenal games um, over the women's side. If you go to Meadow Park mm. or even if you go to the games that I played at the Emirates, I mean, her voice you could just hear, and it's like <laughs> it's very infectious. And uh, yeah, look, yeah. It's, it's sad news and it's devastating. And massive Arsenal fan, and obviously a great person as well. Absolutely, well said. And uh, yeah, our thoughts are certainly with her family and friends close to her uh, during this difficult time. But there are some amazing videos. I remember Gold.com did a an exclusive video all around her for you to check out, and I recommend that you do because it really would give you some education about who exactly Maria Petri was. But uh, yeah, rest in peace, Maria. And uh, again, thoughts are with with yourselves and your family. So yeah, um, let's let's move on to some more happier news in regards to Arsenal. And you know, there seems to be some really big signs that William Saliba Bavs is, is about to have his new contract announced. We don't know when it's going to happen, but according to Freddie Paxton, of course, on Twitter today, breaking that news, that the understanding was that positive talks went down before the US tour took place. And then since the US tour has gone on, an agreement has been reached with the player yeah. and an expectation over announcement should come before, hopefully, you know, the end of the window, maybe even before the start of the season. But how big of a deal is this for Arsenal? No, when I saw the news in the morning, I couldn't help but just, I just kept, I'm, I mean, I'm smiling all day because uh, I'm, I'm very excited about Saliba, the player, because of watching him in the preseason is one thing, but last year in games for Marseille, I mean, he went toe-to-toe with Kylian Mbappe mm. and there's not many defenders, if any, that have done that. So to do that is one thing and, I mean, just think about how much he would have cost Arsenal if he had signed him this summer instead of having signed him in 2019. Liga, Young Player of the Year, French International, 21 years of age. We are listing off one of the best young centre-backs or best centre-backs mm. in the world. And he's coming to Arsenal for nothing more than what we paid to him in, in 2019. So to get his contract sorted out, Arsenal have had a blinder here. They've signed him for a cheaper value. They've allowed him to develop away from the, the lime of, limelight of Arsenal and really, you know, develop elsewhere to the stage where he's now a full international defender and the best league, uh, best player in league going last season. And now he comes back to Arsenal as a far more... I say experienced player, but also ready for the uh, ready for the Premier League. So, mm. I mean, I know obviously Mikel Arteta got a lot of stick for the way he dealt with him, and there are certain things he could have sorted out better. But in the grand scheme of things, once his contract is signed, hopefully, you've got one of the best young centre backs who's got, I think, a whole season of 50, 60 games under his belt. That's that's amazing for a young player. Yeah, no, it is. When you think about how many games he's already played at such a young age, and already in the French national team as well, that opportunity. Is, is, a, is mad when you consider it. It's it's ironic, of course, that Arsenal spent £50 million on a centre-back that plays in the same position, you know, last summer. And now we're going to see a competition between the two as to who's probably going to start at right centre-back. But the thing that Saliba has in his court is the versatility to his yeah. game. Chatbox, thank you so much for joining us, by the way. I am seeing your messages and we are very aware. They must, they must have known what we were going live, Babs, because they've decided to announce, of course, Alexander Zinchenko uh, is now very much an oh, Arsenal wow. there we go. player. <laughs> Announcing it live whilst we are live. So, uh, yes, I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about that in a little bit. I don't want to deviate from the flow of the conversation too much, but we will certainly get there, guys. But thank you for... Uh, for letting me know. So, yeah, I, I was talking there about his versatility and ironically that segues quite nicely into Zinchenko, but Saliba's versatility, he's played at right back for Marseille, he's played left centre-back for Saint-Étienne and Nice. You know, he's played majority of his games for Marseille at right centre-back, but also played in the middle of a back three as a sweeper. There is an argument, I suppose, that with Tommy Asu's injury issues as they are, and with Cedric having so many question marks around him, and of course the starting centre-back pairing being Ben White and Gabriel for now, that there could be an opportunity to say Saliba could slot into that kind of disciplined hybrid right-back centre-back role that Tommy Asu's been deploying. How would you feel about that? 
I don't think you're far off, but I'd swap mm. it around a little bit. I think Ben White's more suited to playing as that inverted right back because mm. Seawood Saliba, he's a very good 1v1 defender. Right? I like Ben White, but I think he's better at being front-footed and really nicking, nicking the ball and intercepting. Whereas when it comes to 1v1 defending, he can be caught out. So I'd rather Saliba be our last line of defence alongside Gabriel and then have Ben White as the inverted player who's actually able to go forwards a bit more. But also I think he's more comfortable in pressure, whereas Saliba's just a better defender when it comes to last minute, last uh, man slide tackles. And if, if you're left 1v1, I'd rather have Saliba than Ben White. So I think, yeah, Ben White and Saliba can play together along, alongside Gabriel and it'd be ben, uh, Gabriel's left centre-back, right centre-back uh, Saliba, and inverted right back Ben White. I think that works pretty well. Yeah, indeed. I think that it's, it, either option can work. And I think you've probably hit the nail on the head regarding Ben White. You know, he's played a more games than Saliba has at right back, and his versatility is, is certainly worth trying it. So maybe in that Crystal Palace game, we see a back four of, of you know, Zinchenko, because if Tierney's not fit, and Zinchenko could come in, uh, Gabriel, Saliba, and Ben White as the back four. I suppose we can't really put it off too much longer. The chat box is, is going mad and we're going to tackle some of your thoughts about the signing of Zinchenko. But Babs, this was a deal that came out of nowhere from about May onwards. Um, you know, there was interest back in the start of the window towards the end of the season. It went very quiet as those links to Lissandro Martinez, of course, strengthened. And as Man United took hold of that situation, were willing to go to a silly figure, for, in my opinion, to get that deal done. Arsenal have swooped and pivoted very quickly to get Zinchenko. How happy are you about this deal? I'm excited about it. Um, but to an extent, like I don't want to come across as saying like he's the best signing ever. And, you know, I've seen some Arsenal fans think he's like this ultra, I mean, it's a world-class left-back. And he's a good left-back. Mm. But also at the same time, he has uh, deficiencies defensively. I don't think he's elite. And that's why I think Martinez may have suited better. But at the same time, for the experience you're getting... The price tag and also the fact that when you've got the experience, you're coming into Arsenal, you won't need as much time to adapt. And I say that in our first game of the season, Crystal Palace away, it's difficult. So if you've got Lissandro Martinez coming for that game, he's not aware of the atmosphere and how it is to play at Palace. Whereas Zinchenko in games like that will go, I've been here before, I've done it, I know, what, I know mm. I'm not, I won't be shocked by it. Uh, so I think he's a very good signing. Um, and I think Kieran Tini could be in a bit of trouble now because uh, I, I think. Zinchenko is more suited to what Arteta wants as that inverted left-back. And Tini's very good going forwards, but Zinchenko maybe is better in terms of his numbers, at least. Mm. And uh, I think Tini's a player who I'd love to keep, obviously, as a, as a player, not just squad player, but character as well. But it's different profiles now. And maybe it's the games, where in certain games you want a player that can overlap, it's Kieran Tini. Whereas in certain games, if you want the extra control, I think Zinchenko's the one for you. Mm, yeah, I think that Zinchenko adds, as you say, the inverted nature that Arteta is looking for in that left-sided fullback role. Tierney, if we remember, is one of the few players still in the Arsenal squad that is not was not one of those signed by Arteta. You know, yeah. there are very few of those left within this group, and Zinchenko fulfills that. You can make an entire back five, including the goalkeeper now, of players that Arteta has signed. Then gradually that's bleeding into the midfield. You know, Granit Xhaka's time at Arsenal will come to an end at some point. Perhaps even by Zinchenko you know he has played in midfield a lot for Ukraine um, I wrote a piece today for Football London talking about a game that he played against PSG in the Champions League in midfield for City and played brilliantly there in uh, it was deputising because there was kind of a late injury issue with Phil Foden and Guardiola decided to throw Zinchenko in last minute and he ran the, he ran the game brilliantly so so where do you kind of see the opportunities for him outside of that left back role I think it is as a midfield eight where Xhaka mm. plays and actually I'd say Xhaka's a better player in certain aspects, but Zinchenko would be better 
as a number eight because he's mm. he's just got a better turning radius. He's more agile. <laughs> so when you're playing as a number eight, you need to be able to turn. And Odegaard can do it. Shaka just naturally can't. That's not his fault. It's just how he's designed. Mm. I think maybe as a deep line player, player Shaka is brought more suited to it. But Zinchenko is what Arteta wants in Shaka, but he has the extra speed, extra bit more, you know, better physically in terms of able to turn and be agile and stuff. So. I think as at number eight, he could thrive. And he's played there for uh, for Ukraine. He's done pretty well to a standard where I think in the Euros, he was one of the best players for them. And I think that's something that in certain games where TNE is playing, you could see Zinchenko start as well as at midfield eight. And it kind of makes me wonder if we've signed Zinchenko, he can play there. Will we sign Yuri Tielemans? Mm. Because you know it's two similar players in a sense that they can both play there. And they're both controllers, not really attackers that want to create chances to score goals. Do you think... That deal is, I don't want to use the word realistic because obviously it is, but do you think it's something that, does it worry you how long it's kind of taking, how long it's stalling, or do you think it's just kind of part and parcel of the amount of players Arsenal still need to move out from the club, especially in midfield with Torreira and, and Maitland-Niles? I've always thought he's an option. Hmm. And I think at the start of the window, there was reporters that were saying he's our main target. I don't think it's the case because we can pay the price like right now and surely if he's your, if he's your main target, you sign him straight away. Because you want him to come into the preseason to adapt. And so when you're going into the season, you've got your first team ready. I think Tielemans is a player that you appreciate. And if they can reduce the price tag to 25, they'll sign him. Mm. But they've got other targets to look at. Maybe more attack version players like, like Lucas Paqueta. Um, and I think he's just, a, he's just an option right now. And so I'm not really confident it happens anymore. But at the same time, because of the price tag and the player's desire, it could happen like that. And as Zinchenko has shown and Vieira, when Arsenal won a player... And they think he's worth that money, they will get it signed straight away. Mm. I mean, in terms of where he fits in, it's interesting because if I was looking at a midfielder that Arsenal were going to sign this summer, it's kind of split into two halves. You know, when we do these shows, a lot of the chat books are very much looking at the idea of adding a goal scorer, you know, into the midfield, looking at someone perhaps like a Milinkovic Savic, like a Paqueta type player that's going to get you goals. Whereas others feel that bringing someone in that's going to reduce the gap when Thomas Partey is unavailable through injury, that that gap between him and whoever comes into depth isn't as big so where do you kind of see the priority midfield signing being and in what area I think it is more attacking in my mm. opinion because when you've got to invert a left back now you don't need to have the extra defensive player midfield whereas yeah. last year with Tierney and Tavares because they can't invert you have to have that player that drops off with Partey but now you've got the three of maybe a Ben White or Tomiassi on the right hand side Partey in the middle and then Zinchenko on the left you can now have a more attack-minded player. That's where, of course, you look at Man City 17-18 team, where you had mm. David Silva and De Bruyne, two number 10s, you know. Back in the day, you couldn't play that. Whereas now, if you've got the players that can play in midfield and cover for those guys, then I think you can have a more attack-minded player. And maybe it's more what we need as well. Because last year, even though defensively we had some bad moments, it was our attack that let us down in the games we had to score goals. So now, if you can add more goals to the team, as you've got Odegaard on the right-hand side, on the left-hand side, if you've got a player like a Paqueta who's a bigger goal threat, then I think it's more what we need. It gives us extra variation. And we're able to play Xhaka there, of course, Zinchenko there. But then also, if you want that more attack-minded player, you can play a different player there. Maybe, a, as I said, Paqueta or maybe Smith-Rowe develops into that as well. Mm, potentially. Um, equally different in the chats is Milinkovic-Savic or Bust. Dave says he'd go for Paqueta over potentially anyone else. And also points out that, Pab, I mean, Fabio Vieira is, is, yeah. is slept on. You know, I, again, I wrote a piece about this today, is that for Erdegaard, I feel like one of the key things we needed this summer was someone to come in, 
and compete with him for that position because ultimately he kind of carried the creative burden of Arsenal last year. And when he wasn't on it, Arsenal weren't really on it. And so whilst we had Saka and of Martinelli on the wide areas, centrally we kind of struggled for creativity if Erdegaard wasn't necessarily involved in the game as much as we would like him to. What do you make of the Vieira edition? Because it was a surprise one. It's exciting. It's very exciting because mm. what you have there, as you said, is competition. And in Odegaard's first game back now with competition, he was on fire against Orlando. You know, he's, you know, he looked like he's very decisive with the ball. And I think last year, Odegaard, he became too comfortable. And when a player like him becomes comfortable, he won't produce at his best. And whereas now, when he knows, he realises that, hey, if I don't perform now, I've got a player that mm. not only we've signed, but also a player that Arteta wanted. So he knows that. He knows that this is a player that Mikel Arteta specifically wanted and obviously appreciates. So if Odegaard's not performing, you've got Vieira there. But likewise, maybe we don't need to sign an attack-minded midfielder because Vieira is also able to play on the left-hand side. And then you could have certain games with Odegaard and Vieira uh, because they're both able, they're both very tenacious players. And maybe, I, I think long-term, don't be surprised if we see Odegaard move over to the left-hand side and we get a more attack-minded right-sided midfielder to have more balance because you've got the left footers there. I think we need some right foot players as well. Yeah, it's strange to have so much, a high concentration of so many left footed yeah. players in a squad. Um, you know, I think that Arteta likes Odegaard on the right because it allows him to cut inside and play that reverse pass back to Saka, who's obviously running around the defender on that right-hand side. But yeah, I think also that you can use the inversion on the left-hand side if you've, say, got a left footer in Odegaard there and then a right footer in, in Martinelli. You know, having that variation can help. Looking at those positions, Smith Rowe is a bit of an odd one out and becoming more of an odd one out as, as you look at how the squad is built. You know, my hot take's been this summer that I think of all the players in the attacking lineup, I think Smith Rowe might be the one that struggles the most for minutes. Is this a concern that we've got? And should we be worried about potentially him falling away from first team plans so much so that he looks elsewhere? I don't think that far, mm. but I, I do think you're right in a sense he won't be as much of a starter. But I look at it in a positive, you know, now you've got a player of his quality who is an automatic starter. That means mm. he's a squad player who can become a starter. And if we want to become like Liverpool and Man City, especially Man City, as, as fans, we have to be for squad depth. And it's not a matter of you can only have one good player in each position, which is what we've been, uh, I guess, customised to over the years. Yeah. Smith Rowe is now an option that can play as a number eight, as a wide forward. And the fact that he was one of our top goal scorers last year and he's no longer a starter, it means that our team is getting better. And the level is being raised. So uh, I think Smith Rowe is a player that he needs to sort out his fitness. I think when he's fit and available, he can be a real, real game changer. But his issue is he can't seem to remain fit for a longer period of time. And even when he is fit and available on the pitch, he can be, become a bit absent. I think in the last game he played against Newcastle uh, away at St. James's Park, mm. subbed off in the 55th minute. Um, I think that kind of showed that he, he was fit and available, but he wasn't there mentally. So I think now he has to understand that if he wants to play for this team, he has to stamp down his authority. And when he plays on the pitch, make things happen. Because he can. Because when he's on fire and in confidence, in that first half of last season, he was scoring goal off the goal. And that was no coincidence. He's a yeah. very good ball striker. He's very incisive in the final third. And it was the reason why when we brought him into the first team back in December 2020, the team's level raised. It's because he is a good player. It's just that he needs to sort out the fitness side of it, whether it's a diet thing or a physique or workout he has to become more fit and available and then we've got a player there as well. 
I think people forget as well quite quickly how young, you know, a lot of these guys yeah, still are, exactly. you know, 21 year olds, 20 year olds are, are peppered throughout this squad. Um, and we're going to, again, next season, have a lot of young players. We probably, despite adding Jesus and Zinchenko, who to be fair, they're additions that are only 25 years of age. You know, it's, yeah. it's hardly old, but in the context of Arsenal, it looks old because we've got so many players younger than them. We will still probably have one of the youngest teams, if not the youngest average side again in the league next season. Uh, we've added another young player in Marquinhos, of course, Vieira's only just turned 22 in May, I think it was. He spent the whole of last season scoring seven goals and getting 16 assists at the age of 21 for Porto, which is quite the achievement as well. So, you know, it's that side of it that still, I think that whilst we are critical at times, rightly, Smith Rowe is still 21 years of age, which is mad to think about at the same time. And we're talking about his future, despite the fact that he added everything that we wanted to his game last season, which was goals. That was the big thing for Smith Rowe was, can he add goals to his game? And he did. The thing with five subs this season, I think, is that we're going to see a Smith Rowe that's got more opportunities to come off the bench, be impactful. Obviously, he's going to play in, I think, those Europa League games a lot more as well and in the Cup games too. But that's going to happen for all players. We're going to see heavy rotation. Do you think we've done enough to strengthen the squad to cope with these competitions? And if we haven't, what are you targeting to try and make sure that we have got enough competition across the board? I think we have, in the most part, mm. attack-wise, even in terms of defence to an extent, it's mainly now defensive midfield. The dropper from Partey to Elneny is, is gargantuan. It really mm. is, because you see Partey in pre-season, whenever he plays, the team's level raises by five. When he comes out of the team and he's not playing... The team drops off quite a bit. And it's because he's such a specific profile. It's very rare to find players that are that good when it comes to playing incisive passes, but also good enough defensively and also able to just dictate the tempo of the play. Mm. So now Arsenal have to find maybe a younger profile that is more mature than Sambi, in a sense, on the ball, that can play there. Because I think Elneny can play in certain games and he can do a job as long as other players are, are, are fit as well. Because if you've got Zinchenko and Tomiyasu around him, he'll be fine. Yeah. But the issue is, if you get more injuries, that drop-off's too massive. And I think that's one of the final positions that Arsenal have to strengthen squad-wise to really have a proper competitive squad and have, I'd say, two top players at least in each position. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. but the rest of it, I mean, going forwards, we've got options now. Nketiah has become this very good player. Um, and Jesus mm-hmm. as well. And I think on Nketiah, for me, I think he's actually one to watch because he can play in out wide and down the middle. And I think maybe that first game of the season... I know fans want to see Martinelli start and whoever, but I would not be surprised if we saw Jesus and Nketiah start together alongside Saka in the front three. And I'd be mm. very happy with that as well because I think Jesus and Nketiah seem to have a natural connection. Maybe that phone call they make, you know, mm. is, is help <laughs> form a connection, but there seems to really be this understanding of each other's movement. And if you watch the game against Orlando, and yeah, it's pre-season, but mm. they, they were rotating. And that's the thing with Jesus is he's not just a striker he's able to move up wide and he's comfortable there as well so uh yeah listen man uh, we've got a lot of depth now and there's still some areas to, of, of concern if we can send another center back maybe alongside Saliba uh, that would be a positive but in the grand scheme of things yeah we've come a long way yeah absolutely the last question I'm going to go to you before we jump into the chat box and tackle some of your questions I've been saving some throughout guys so keep yes. throwing them into the chat and, and we'll tackle as many of them as we can there's a lot of love as well coming in for you Babs in the chat box uh, it seems it's been a long time coming too long uh, make sure you check out Babs's channel if you're not already subscribed I'm sure plenty of you if not all of you already are but the link of course is in the title of today's video so make sure you go and subscribe uh, in go terms subscribe of here first as well subscribe on this channel don't forget that. See, I didn't pay him to say that, I swear. I did not pay him at all, but no, he knows the game. <laughs> um, 
outgoings, you know, there's a lot of players yes. that still need to be moved on. You list them off, and you, you know, you're starting to run out of fingers when you start number numbering the players we've got to move on. How confident are you that you think they will be moved on? And do you think, like I've been saying for quite some time on the channel, that it's going to be a case of the end of the window is going to be a very busy time for those outgoings to take place? I'm fairly confident because most of the players that Arsenal want to sell, they have suitors. It's mm. just that they haven't paid the money that Arsenal wants. And it's not a thing of Edu Gaspar is turning into the Terminator again when he's terminating everyone's contracts. Mm. So I like the fact that Arsenal have used the first half of this window, because we've got a long time left, by the way. I think it closes on September the 1st, right? So now what Edu Gaspar has done is that first half, sign the main players, that's fine. The second half, sell your Terreras, your Pepes maybe, and players like that. And I think with the suitors that are out there and the position that Arsenal are in where they can go, listen, this is a player that we could still use, like in Terreira, we're able to negotiate better and I think a lot of these players will be get rid of because as the window progresses, let's not forget that in those final few three or four weeks, things really start to progress and start to fast forward and mm. I think that will be the case where some of these players might not move uh, until the last three or four weeks of the window but when they start you know, negotiating, there'll be quick deals and uh, maybe the likes of Bayern can actually, you know, I don't say get out of the club but <laughs> make that number two shirt available and Saliba's contract gets announced hopefully. Well, if it is that that's holding it back, it's so menial, isn't it? Just, yeah. like, the number just being vacated is what's holding it back. But, you know, it makes sense. The guy literally has it tattooed on his leg at this yeah. point, Bellerin. So I suppose there is some respect you've got to give. All right, let's let's uh, let's jump into you guys in the chat box and, and take some of the questions. First of all, let me address this super chat from FTL Craig. Uh, thank you for sending the scarf over. It is now on the wall uh, from the Fort Lauderdale Gooners. So thank you so much for sending that across. Uh, there is quite a lot of space left on this wall. So if there are any other fan groups that are interested in trying to fill it up with scarves, uh, you can make sure you get through on our contacts there above my head on the screen for you there. Um, let's, I mean, there's, there's a nice comment here from, from Heidi who says, you two are the best presenters, love your work, but you need to do a show with Harry Simeon. Uh, as well maybe we can sort that out in the near future before the transfer window finishes uh let's go to marcus who says uh sorry join late uh so Babs, how many do we think we'll get in between now and the end of the window and uh, how uh, and do you want them now to be realistic signings i don't know how he's worded that that right way but i think you kind of get the gist of what he's saying yeah i think two two is a good good number because hmm. we've signed a lot of players and Fans always want brand new signings, so it's it's a matter of you can never have enough. But I think two more is realistic. <laughs> new toy syndrome, as I call it. Yeah, it's, it's a yeah. thing in it. I'm sure next window will be the same again. We want five mm -hmm. more players. I think two players realistic in terms of a midfielder that whether that's more attacking or, or a Tielemans, of course, and uh, I'd say a centre back. But then again, a wide forward is necessary as well. So it's it's very hard to just pick two mm. players. But I think two players out of the wide forward. I think the wide forwards are more about opportunities. I think because he's a squad player that Arsenal want there, it's if they find a player that they can't resist, they'll go for. But if it's a matter of sign no one or sign someone for the sake of it, it'll be sign no one. Uh, whereas centre-back for me might be a bigger thing if they can sell Pablo Mori, which should be a no problem there. And maybe Rob Holding, but I think he'll stay. So I think it'll be a wide forward and, and a, a number eight. NVR says, guys, what even is Pepe? Uh, he clearly isn't a winger and rarely takes on players like Saka and doesn't look like he has a strides instinct uh, to play centrally. I think that, you know, we all know that Pepe's future probably lies outside of Arsenal. But 
I, I understand what he is. You know, I don't know if it's a, it's a simple question saying what even is Pepe. He's clearly a winger. You know, I think he can take players on, but he's not always successful with it. And to be honest, I think he suits a counter-attacking team. I mean, what do you kind of see of Pepe and his future? No, that's spot on. I think he is a, a transitional player. Mm. Um, I think he, at Arsenal, he's misused. He's not a... Saka holds the width. You know, he's a touchline winger. Pepe is a player that needs to play internally, interior and in, in the half yeah. spaces because mm-hmm. he can shoot. And I think we saw it last season or the season before that, sorry now, where in games where Arsenal are counter-attacking, he's able to thrive in those spaces there. And when he's closer to goal, he can shoot. He's very good at ball striking. And I, I think at Arsenal, it just doesn't suit him. Whereas if he is to go to a club that plays a more narrow front three and he's more you know central, then mm. I think he could be a very, very good player there. At Arsenal, we signed him under Unai Emery. He was sacked within a few months. Arteta never really, he tried to use him, but it never never quite worked out. And I think, yeah, £72 million, get as much back as possible and just move him on. Best of luck to him. Indeed, indeed. If you are watching the video, do drop a like on the video. I'm pretty sure there's someone needs to refresh their page because we're definitely not on 12 likes. <laughs> you know, there's nearly 800 of you watching. At least guys. get to 14, you know. Yes, 14 would be great. <laughs> Record-breaking levels. Let's try and get it to Eddie Aketia's number at least. Uh, let's move down to some of the other questions. Uh, Adam says, do you think uh, a tandem signing of Tillemans and Martinez made more sense where Zinchenko would require a different profile of player alongside him? What do you make of that? I can see what he means there, 100%, because Tielemans gives us that controller, like Zinchenko on the left-hand side of the midfield, and Martinez plays left-back and centre-back, and it would have been a good signing there. But I think I'm not paying €60 million Euros for him. That, that's what I'm making you know, making clear here. And I think Zinchenko, with that experience as well, you Arsenal probably looked at it and gone, OK, you've got a Premier League experienced player here who's available for half the price tag, who understands Nico Arteta as well, who can play straight away, who's in the peak of his powers, and he's a very good player as well, by the way. And I thought, there's no point of paying double that for Martinez. Especially for a player who was also wanting to reunite with, uh, with Eric Ten Hag. But with Tielemans and Zinchenko, I don't think it makes as much sense, as I, as I keep saying. So maybe it's a thing of Zinchenko, a number eight, and a centre-back, which is why Martinez made so much sense. Mm. Yeah, I think Martinez obviously was kind of for me the Tommy Asu of the left, if yeah, you will, yeah. you know, and and he and Arteta wanted something that was going to balance things. I think Zinchenko is a brilliant alternative to him. He, yes, yeah. he doesn't give you the cover at left centre back, but I think we probably, you know, if we're talking about signings, we still need to make. If Marie's going to go, I think we need a left-footed centre back to cover yeah. Gabriel. Um, I, I think that's a necessity. I know Saliba is you know, looks to be signing a new deal and has played there. I, I just think tactically Arteta loves having a left footer to be able to play those kind of, those forward passes. We used to talk about on the channel quite a lot about how a left footer plays passes in kind of an L shape out to the, yeah. the fullback. So they run onto it rather than a, uh, the alternative being caused kind of the pass going towards you and it's harder to control and he wants that more free flowing style. 100%. So it's and that to be fair, that being said, Arteta doesn't particularly like the centre backs passing to the full backs. He'd rather them go to the midfielders no. first and then the full backs run round and play forwards. But at the same time, I think Martinez would have been better, and that's why he was the priority, but not 30 extra million quid better than Zinchenko, and it just yeah. contextually didn't really work for us. Uh, Ed says, is there a role for Marquinhos if there isn't a wide player brought in like Martinelli uh, in his first year potentially? I think so. I think the fact they've kept him and so far not loaned him out indicates that Arteta sees him as a part of the first team because there was some talk that we, when we signed him that he was going to go on loan straight away because you've seen that with um, 
what's his name, Austin Trusty, signed mm -hmm. from the MLS. He's gone straight to Birmingham City. Yeah. So the fact that Arteta's kept in means that he's impressed as well. And maybe if we don't sign a wide forward, you might see Marquinhos play some games in the Europa League group stages. So potentially, I, I think so. I think so. Yeah, I, I'm really intrigued by him. Um, when we saw a little cameo of him against Nuremberg, I, I was impressed at his energy, his pressing. You know, I think him being on the same field as Gabriel Jesus really kind of invigorated his game. Um, so yeah, cup games, Europa League, possibly off the bench in those fixtures, maybe starting against some of the weaker sides in whatever group we end up going into is, is where we'll end up seeing him. Uh, an interesting question from Jack Burgess, who says, can we really go into the season with an injury-prone right, uh, first-choice left-back and right-back with poor backups in Tavares and Cedric. We need an upgrade. I mean, to be fair, Zinchenko, I think, is a very good yeah. competitor to left-back. But focusing on that right-back scenario, we discussed earlier on the potential of both Saliba and White to cover in that role should we need them. But is that enough to cover? I think the thing with Cedric Suarez is I know a lot of our fans don't like him. Mm -hmm. I think Arteta rates him that highly, but I think he still would turn to him more than uh, Tavares. Cedric's, uh, he's, he's not the best of players, but I also think he's mm. a player that if the rest of the players are playing, and you've got not, the rest of the play, first teams are playing, he'll be fine, like Elneny. But if you see the left-back drop-off and the centre-back drop-off, Cedric can, Cedric can be exposed. But I think Ben White will play a mo lot more games next season as that uh, inverted right-back. And, you know, maybe we should sign a right-back. I think they wanted to sign uh, Livermento, but yeah. he got injured, unfortunately. Yeah. So um, I think it was a matter of a right-back would be nice, but it's not our priorities. Yeah, you're spot on about Livermento. The club were, to my understanding, very, very keen on him. Um, and that that injury really did, unfortunately, set yeah. things very differently for us. Perhaps the reason why there is a reluctance to go in for a right-back this summer is because they see Cedric being enough for the next season. And then depending on how Livermento recovers from this serious injury, yeah. maybe they'll go back in for him again in the next summer transfer window. Uh a couple more before we wrap things up. At all uh, says uh, there are reports about Arsenal still being after a winger. I remember reading something from Fabrizio earlier on today saying he's still not 100% sure who this wide player is. There's been suggestions. You know, my colleague, Aaron Catterson-Reed, put out a tweet earlier on today about potentially uh, Cody Gakpo being that player. Who do you think the wide player might be? And secondly, who do you want it to be? Because they're two very different questions. I, I really don't know. I'm not from mm. Isra Romano, but I really don't know. Because uh, <laughs> I, I could say anyone now, and knowing Arsenal, they pull someone out of the bag out of nowhere. Like, yeah. remember the last season, Tommy Asu was barely linked to Arsenal, and then out of nowhere, deadline day, he's an Arsenal player. Yeah. Um, I think I like Gakpo, but, and he is more of a left winger, which is what I want. I mean, I'd love a Sané, but at the same time, I understand that's really difficult. But I think the rumours that, that are coming out of Germany is that Bayern are really unhappy with him. And with the new contracts they give to Gnabry as well, that it'll be a massive contract that as well. And I wouldn't be surprised if he was available, but it's a matter of 26 years of age. Yeah. Could be a good signing, but is it more because fans would be excited because they know him and that the rest is, he, is he actually good enough to come into Arthur right now and mm. really raise our level for the price tag of 60, 70 million pounds. Wide forwards are rare in the market for what Arthur want. I wanted Musa Diaby, but he's staying at Leverkusen now. So... Yeah, I don't know, man. I really don't know. Gakpo as well. I'm not totally convinced about RDVC attackers. I've seen mm. Depay struggle. I've seen, uh, was it Bergwijn come as well, struggle. Yeah. So I, I really don't know, man. I can't lie. No, I'm glad you had the grounded view on, on Sane, to be honest, because you hear sometimes a name and it sparks an excitement because you've seen them in the Premier League yeah. and play for City and now Bayern. And Sane, don't get me wrong. Look, Sane is a, a great, great talent. 
But there is, for me, this lingering question mark over the guy since he went to Bayern. Have we seen the best of him? Have we seen what he did at Manchester City? Would he then come to Arsenal and benefit like he did at City, playing in a similar kind of system where Arteta wants to mirror? Ultimately, I'm not going to sit here and say Sane's not good enough for Arsenal because I think that would be mad. But I do think there is, as you've said there, a fair point of measure that needs to be appreciated with with the potential signing especially in context to how much you say i think it could even be close to something like 80 odd million quid to get yeah. someone like signing because he has a long-term deal i think till 2025 so it would cost a serious amount of money uh let's go to uh m fawns who says babs uh what academy players you'd like to see break into the first team this is an arsenal strength that should be used this season I would have said Marcelo Flores, but he's going to mm-hmm. Oviedo. Oviedo. Um, and then you've got... Oviedo. Oviedo. <laughs> I don't know where I got Oviedo from. No, I was thinking Edu at the end of the name. Yeah. It works. Um, I would have said Hutchinson as well, but he's off the Chelsea. Yeah. I think Real Waters is the one because he mm-hmm. was the only young Arsenal player that travelled to the Arsenal squad in pre-season. So I think that indicates that Arteta really likes him. And would the not, if we don't sign a centre-back, because I think he can play there as well, maybe we see him play more games in Europa League. Um, apart from that, there's not that many names that I think are that close. Miguel Aziz, I don't, I don't think he's ready Patino. either. But Patino would be a great example as a midfield mm. eight as well, I think. Maybe if we don't sign a Tielemans in Europa League games. But I think with Patino, because he's physically, I don't think, quite there just yet, Arteta's mm. being very careful. It's a bit like how Pep was at Foden, where he w- wouldn't throw him in just straight away. But I think Patino and Rule Waters are the ones to watch, in my opinion. Yeah, the the other one I think would would come forward is Brook Norton Cuffey. Um, you know, had a really good under 19s World Cup with England and a really good loan spell with Lincoln yeah. as well. I mean, I watched a few of the games for Lincoln, and he just it's when you know that a young guy is going to get somewhere. It's because at 19 years of age, you just stand head and shoulders above every senior player at League One level. Like that, that's what yeah. you want to see, and he just yeah. did that. You know, so many times. Um, Babs, thank you so much for taking the time out of your evening to, to no join worries. me for this chat. Absolute pleasure uh, to speak to you. I'm sure it will not be uh, for sure the last time you come on to the no. channel but tell people where they can find you and what you're going to be up to mate um they can find me on my uh, at just over there bass 14 um on twitter um instagram and youtube but i advise you if you follow me on twitter be prepared for a lot of shameless tweets uh <laughs> on youtube a bit more level-headed at least so uh yeah on those platforms and uh show some content out today hopefully with Sinchenko signing and also look thank you for the the invitation i think Pleasure. i asked back in 2016 it was a dm i said years and yes, years ago it I so wasn't in charge of the channel, to my defence. Yeah. So it's defense. been a long time coming. It's been a long time coming. But I really appreciate this. Appreciate the work you've done as channels. Make sure you subscribe here as well. Like the video and stuff. And um, yeah, we'll speak very, uh, very soon. Indeed, yes. There was a comment earlier on in the show saying that we need to do a link up with Harry as well. So we'll try and see if we can make that happen at some stage. Thank you, listeners, uh, for tuning in. I can inform you that we did manage to get it to 14. Uh, there's over 250 of you <laughs> that have liked it now. Thank you so much. Please do continue to like the videos and subscribe to the channel. Uh, we recently hit 36,000, so thank you for that. And uh, I'll be back as usual every morning, bright and early at 8 a.m., giving you all the latest Arsenal transfer news. And if you want to get even more Arsenal content, make sure that you do subscribe to Bab's uh, link to his channel is in the video title below. See you soon. Have a fantastic evening. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go. And you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? 
At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.